Welcome to the Irrelevant Podcast. I'm Nathan Jones with my co-host Alex Lewis here. Episode 56 with a repeat guest, Mr. Anthony Oliver himself, fresh off of a broken record in the single ply department. So yeah, we were kind of talking about that before you before we started streaming here, before we started recording. So well, uh, what uh you said it was kind of lucky, Anthony. I Alex and I were kind of talking. We don't think that's luck, but what do you what do you uh contribute that to the lucky side of things? Why was that so lucky for you, you think? Uh well, I just feel weird about like I'm not really you know comfortable with like pumping my own tires. Uh I would say, but yeah, you know, it was, you know, it's weird to talk. It's weird to just, it's weird to be like, yeah, I'm the man. Like, I don't know. I Like, it was cool. Like, I, uh, you know, I didn't have a great prep. It, it wasn't quite like WPO when my body was dismantling. Um, I was able to stay in basically one piece. But, I mean, you know, my last squat session uh, going into the, the, the meet, like, I, I couldn't get 1075 out of the rack. So the first time that I actually even had that on my back in single ply was at the meet. So, uh, you know, and that's a, we looked at it and it's like the whole time going in, I'm like, okay, like the original record was, you know, was 1035. Henry Thomason had it 1035. And I came in in like 2021 and went 1036.2. And then, um, and that was my first single ply meet. And then, uh, and then I went and then Phil Herndon, um, who's a raw guy who's get, like, you know, getting into equipment. Um, he's another overkill guy. Uh, so it's pretty fun. He, he broke it. He went 1070. It's pretty funny, actually. Uh, you know, I've recently been picked up by overkill uh, after the WPO uh, as one of their athletes. So it was funny because, Rudy, the owner, was he sent me a bench shirt um, before I had like decided to do this meet, and I get it, and it comes and it came in this like little Manila envelope, and I'm like, what the fuck is it? This is weird. Like, what is this? I open it, and it's a singlet, and he so he had sent he had accidentally switched the addresses, so I got Phil's singlet, and he got my bench shirt, and so I had to, and the meet was that weekend, so I had to ship Phil the singlet he was going to wear for the meet that he was breaking my world record. So that was kind of weird. So I sent that to him and then he went 1070 and, um, and then, uh, you know, I went 1074. So we only thought of it, you know, in my mind, it was like, Oh, it's just, it's four and a half more pounds. Like that's fucking nothing. Right. Four and a half more pounds, but it's a fucking 40 pound PR for me. You know what I mean? Like in, in single ply. And I didn't really think of that until the day of. I was like, oh, shit. I would never let one of my – I mean, I guess like if a guy was going for a world record, it would – you know, it's different. But like for the most part, if someone's like, oh, I'm going to take a 40-pound PR on a second attempt, I'd be like, no, you're fucking not. You know? And so, <laughs> so it was pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, I uh, opened with 1025 and smoked it um, and then went right to 10 – 1074 it was really a really special moment for me the uh 10 when i did 1036 it was it was 2021 it was the tail end of like the covid stuff and i have my parents are both older i'm the youngest 
youngest kid. So they were uh, just barely 70 at the time. And I hadn't really seen them since like the COVID thing, like once in a parking lot. Cause we were in Ohio, they were in New Hampshire, you know, and so they were very like, they were like nervous about that. My mom's got lung issues. My dad had cancer and stuff. So it was, uh, it's crazy. Uh, they, they came out to that meet to see me break the first record. And so they were there for that one. Um, and they came out for this one too. Uh, this was in, in Worcester. So it's only like an hour and a half away, but they came out. And then also like, you know, a bunch of people for obviously my team, like my guys, my crew was there. Um, but also like people from uh, our gym that are, you know, pretty new to powerlifting. There's probably 10 or 10 or 11 of them that came out and drove down uh, in the snow to to support and hung out all day and it was fucking rad like uh it was really cool to have people there who are like i don't want to say i'm like a mentor to them because that sounds fucking weird but people who like my wife and i have exposed them to powerlifting in a way that they've never been exposed to it before um and a couple of them have like done meets and then a couple of them their first meet was this year and, and, and you know and it's kind of ranges from you know, a couple different levels, but uh, to have them there and them to see the separation between like, you know, what they maybe perceived as a big lift and what is actually a big lift um, was really cool. And they were awesome. You know, it's one of those things where like I come out from under the bar, you know, I grab my wife, you know, my, my guys mob, you know, they all come in, do the gear check. My dad's there. Like, you know, we do the whole thing. And then I get in the back, uh, you know, have a little cry, get my fucking, uh, have a moment to myself and then get my gear off. The first thing I did was go out into the, the crowd and hug every one of my gym members that were there. Told them to come and hang out in the back room, thanked them for coming. And I think that it was an opportunity to show them that like, uh, you know, they're just as much a part of the process as, as I am, you know, and I said it in my, um, my wife thinks I don't give myself enough credit and like pump myself up enough. But to me, like part of that record belongs to every one of them as well, because if we didn't have gym members, I would have to have a normal job. Uh, and, and everything would look different. If I didn't have my crew with me, I wouldn't have been able to do this. So I believe strongly that all of them, like it says my name on open powerlifting, but it may as well have a paragraph of names underneath it. So it was a really, really fucking cool day. It's, you know, we're about what's today. It's a week ago today. So it's kind of, I gave myself a couple of days to like feel good about it. And then it's, you know, now it's just something that I did and that's great. And then we kind of move forward from there. Um, well, I'm going to be, I'm not the first one probably tell you, but you're a bad motherfucker. So you should really, you know, lean into <laughs> that a little bit, but uh, <laughs> thank you. Dude. And uh, you're prepping for your own meet, right? For the, your first APO meet that you're hosting. Is that correct? I'm not prepping for it. Like I'm or, not doing I mean, it, but I'm yeah, not, setting it up. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, we've got, um, we sold out in, uh, 
like 24 hours less than i think um our meats are really fucking cool my wife does like such an incredible job with working with sponsors and um really building uh the the sport in new england and new hampshire we're really lucky to have uh a we're lucky to have the contacts of you know max effort muscle and cerberus and and all these guys that you know Bar- barbell bills and, and all these guys that throw in money every time um and product it makes it really easy to treat our lifters very very well and i think that other gyms like bear um who put on the meat that i just did that was an apo meet i think it was the first one in um massachusetts has kind of taken the model that that we had and and he's kind of following it too so all the lifters at his meet got a package you know got element salts and you know the 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 best lifters got you know several things you know protein and you know a, a cool like mug and all this stuff and then uh you know in our meets and you know we got t-shirt and all that stuff and so our meets like we're fortunate in that we can do the t-shirts and then obviously what i do with trigger warning um i one of the ways that I support it with through that business is I give the lifters another t-shirt. So every lifter that does one of our meets gets two t-shirts, one of which is a, you know, one that I print specifically for the meat with the meat logo on it. And then the other one is a trigger warning uh, shirt. Um, and then they also like the last one, they got like, you know, CBD products, a full thing, of creatine stickers, lifting straps, like a whole bunch of shit um and so yeah it's it's kind of stressful because it feels like we have to like up it every time um but uh yeah my wife does an incredible job lining all that shit up so we have uh may 4th is the meet that we're doing and this one is the new england classic and we do uh we try to do one of our meets we do the the winifred memorial you know it's in you know um memory of, of a dog that we lost and we give we do a huge charity for the local dog shelters and stuff. Uh, it's crazy the amount of shit that gets donated. It's like psychotic, fills my truck. And then uh, this one we do sort of like more like a humanitarian type thing. So we have uh, one of the guys that is in my training group. Uh, we call him Spandy. His name's Andrew. Um, single ply Andy Spandy. Anyway, he uh, his <laughs> as you do his. Uh, his long-term his long-term friend uh that he kind of took under his wings this young kid uh who had cancer and so he started a foundation for him so we're doing like a big toy drive for uh kids with you know like terminal cancer and all that stuff so um yeah we try to to make it so that it's a professional setting for people to see what real powerlifting is b the lifters that come have a good time get treated well you know, and get, you know, get something for going other than a a small little metal. They all get some extra stuff. And then also we try to, you know, give back to a cause that means something to, to us. So it's really, it's been fucking great, man. Like the, the growth of the sport in New Hampshire in the past couple of years has been really sick. When we left for Ohio in 20, shit what was that 2016 2015 i mean val did a a big like two session rps meet um the day before she left to move out to ohio and she was the only equipped lifter in two sessions 
And now you look at the meats here and it's like, it's our meats are like 70% people in gear. Uh, and then the one that I just did down there, the whole flight, the whole last flight was like 17 of 30 lifters was in gear. And so it's, it's really sick to see like how seemingly like, I don't want to say we brought the culture here, you know, but when you come back and, you know, like you called me a bad motherfucker. So I'll just use that when you're a bad motherfucker and you come <laughs> back to your home area and the type of powerlifting you do is equipped powerlifting, people are going to kind of follow suit. And it seems like, you know, that's where it's trending out here. So it's like on a micro level to me, I feel like we are preserving or trying to preserve powerlifting in, in the way that I fell in love with it and the way that we fell in love with it. And, uh, and I love raw lifting too, dude. I think raw lifting is fucking badass. I think those dudes are sick. Val's getting ready for a rap right now. Like what she has to put her body through to lift raw is like a different sort of pain. Um, but it is very cool to see like OG poly bench shirt, canvas squat suit motherfuckers like doing the big stuff is is really fucking awesome. And the level of of talent in the area is going up as well. You know, we had probably four, four or five squats over 800 at that meet that I just did. And in, in New Hampshire, that's kind of or in New England, that's not the norm. So um, it's cool, man. And, and our meets always have like at least one person swinging at a grand, several 900 pound squats, couple 600 pound benches and, and a whole gang of 700 pound deadlifts. So it's really cool to like watch like the, the general talent go up and also the baseline for participation go up as well. Man, you are really setting a high standard for me out here in Colorado to try and put on meats. Jesus Christ. I thought I was doing something good. And then you tell me all this and I'm like, oh, fuck. At least I joined the right organization, I guess. Hey, man, are you are you uh, officially like working with APO now? Yeah. So I just turned in my ref test yesterday to be because they said I'm interim state chair at the moment. So I would assume yeah. that most of it has to do with you since nobody else there knows me. But I don't know. I don't know how any of that goes, but I just filled out yeah, the application so thing. Yes. So your name came up. Yeah. I think at one of the board meetings and we talked about it. I think you talked to Danielle, right? Yeah. I know Danielle and Jarvis from a yeah. group chat. So cool. I met Jarvis at a sem seminar. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where we want to make sure that, you know, state chairs are going to be able to do a great job. And, and honestly, dude, like, I think obviously execution is huge, but with everything that's gone on in powerlifting in the past couple of years with, you know, people being um, not the best people at times, I think that it's more about intent, you know? And it's like, as long as your intent is good, I think everything is fine. You know what I mean? It's not running a powerlifting meet is not putting someone on the fucking moon here. You know what I mean? It's like, make sure everyone gets weighed in by the appropriate person Make sure the judging isn't trash. Make sure the equipment is good. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, but, and, and make sure that, that everyone is safe and secure, you know, both, you know, emotionally and all that. And then also physically making sure the spotters are good and shit. Like, um, 
I think the APO is something that is going to be really fucking sick, dude. The, the, the board is ironclad. We've got everything ranging from people who have been in the sport for 30 years, people who have been in the sport for four. And I think that that, that, that really makes a big difference. You're out in Colorado, right? Yeah. 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 And I know that out there, like there's not a lot of opportunities for people in equipment. And APO kind of gives people that ability to to do that as well as I think with, you know, the former uh, federation that I was working with, you know, with APF, like I think that they people looked at that as like they thought it was like an equipped only federation almost like people thought that it was just gear. And so the APO, we've tried to do a good job at like letting people know, like, it's not just gear it's it's everything it's it's you know it's raw and it's equipped so um because the barrier for entry with a raw lifter is so much less you just need a belt you know um and that's how people get into the sport right like most people don't fall into a situation where they just they're putting on a fucking canvas suit at their first meet so uh, making it available for raw lifters too just grows the sport and a lot of those people will shift towards gear and a lot of people will not but giving them the option, I think, is important. Yeah, I don't know. The way I looked at it is it seemed like the APO was for lifters by lifters is what it looked like to me. Like, I didn't know everybody, yeah. but it seemed like everyone that is involved has their hand in the sport in some way, shape, or form. And I know out here in yeah. Colorado, like other organizations, I look at the state chairs and I'm like, have you ever even done a meet? Is that a thing you've even yeah. tried to do? Or like, what the fuck is going on here? And yeah. for the meets out here, I just felt like it was very lackluster. And instead sure. of bitching about it, I was like, well, how can I make it better? And like, coincidentally, I helped the CU Barbell Club. And they have a bunch of powerlifters. They're like, hey, can we do a mock meet? And I was like, yeah. And so like, I started it with like, fuck it. I'm going to give you guys $1,000 and the best male lifter and female lifter get 250 bucks each. And like, then we got Pioneer to donate some custom belts. And like, now we've been trying to get sponsors for like two weeks and we're already halfway to our goal to be able to cover the meet and hopefully have more prize money for everyone. So. Dude, that's awesome. That's so awesome. And I think that it's like a lot of time with powerlifting because there's no like over, it's not the NFL. There isn't like this one thing. It's very easy for people to just sort of sit back and say, this is bullshit. Fucking these meats suck, this, that, and the other thing. And I think, you know, I commend you for, for saying like, okay, like this is not what I want here. So I'm going to do something to make it what I do want. And like, dude, like major props to you for that. Like, like serious respect because the thing that pisses me off the most when it comes to three, three things, three cultures that I've been involved in is, you know, when it comes to this sort of stuff in powerlifting, uh, hardcore music and skateboarding. And when people bitch about stuff, but don't offer a solution, pisses me off. So if you're going to bitch about it, you better come correct with something, at least an idea to make it better instead of just saying, because a lot of times what happens is people just want to bitch to bitch, right? It's like you go out to eat with, you know, with your family and your, your nephew there or whatever, wanted chicken wings and they bring him a fucking hamburger instead. He loses his fucking mind. And then they take the hamburger back and bring the chicken wings and he still loses his fucking mind. 
because he wanted it right the first time. And I feel like that's what people end up doing. They just want to bitch to bitch. So putting yourself out there, man, and putting yourself in a in an uncomfortable situation where you're handling new stuff you're not used to in order to make things better for other people is fucking rad, dude. And and I really that I respect that. That's awesome. Man, you have no idea. I had no idea what the fuck I was getting into. I just started prepping for a WRPF regional meet that morning and I hit yeah. a fucking PR on bench that felt really good and I was just feeling good. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. And I was like, wait, they need a state chair in the EPO. And I was like, well, fuck it. Let's see what happens. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you got it. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> so, it's cool, I, man. And there's tons, there's tons of references, too. Like, if you ever need a handout, obviously, you know, you have my contact info. You can ask me anything you like and and it's set up to like it's there's no trick questions dude you know like it's set up for people to succeed like we want people to succeed so we want you know if you're signing up to be a state chair like we want you to be successful because it helps everybody so um yeah dude that's badass that's dude. what i keep telling myself i'm like well obviously these people think i can do it so i should probably be able to handle it but it's just funny because yeah. like now i switch my prep i'm going to try to do the national show in montana and do the APO oh, stuff because cool, yeah. I'm like it's going to be pretty stupid if I go do another organization when I'm trying to represent this one in this state. So yeah, I to figure, yeah, for sure. Go to the national show and see like to me that would be like the standard we try to hold for all the other ones. So I think I'm going to be excited to do that. That'll be cool. Um, That's one question awesome. I did have That's for you awesome. is the practical part of the refing thing is that you have to go to a meet and watch the refs ref, correct? Yeah. So they do. Um, so there's like two options, like. I forget the exact numbers, but you have to sit in the chair next to a world level judge. Uh, for, I think it's 50 squat, 50 bench, 50 deadlift. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, and then you have to sit and make the call, like you make the call and then they tell you if you're right or wrong, basically. Uh, and then, um, but also sometimes Wayne will do like a seminar. That's how we got a bunch of people certified out here was he'll come and do a seminar and do a mock meet and have everybody judge. And then that way, because you could see 50 squats and of those 50 squats, not a single person have an up-down call. Like, you know what I mean? And then you don't have the experience of seeing that. So Wayne can like whisper in someone's ear, like, Hey, fuck this up in this way, rush the start command, rush the press, rush the whatever, cut it high, like whatever. Um, and then you get experience to, to see it's very thorough. And so that's two different ways. They haven't done it for the APO yet, but I'm sure that's something that they're going to do because they have people who are willing to travel. That's what we had to do out here, man, because of looking around. And um, when I took over as the APF chair in New Hampshire, whatever that was almost three years ago, there was only like three judges in the fucking state, dude. There was, there was nobody. And we're like, okay, like we need bodies. We need people who can sit in a chair. Because when you're what you'll find, and I will preface this for you, putting on your first meet or whatever, you don't want to judge your first meet, dude. You need to be, you're the guy running around putting out fires. So when someone comes running to you and says, like, the bathroom, the toilet's clogged, the fire, this person needs whatever, they're they're puking, they're cut, they're hurt, they're the, like, you need to be able to do we're out of chalk, we this, that, you know what I mean? All this stuff. We had a misload, what do we do? you need to be putting out the fire. So I knew that I needed people that I could put in the chairs that I trusted. So we did that and it, and it worked out, but yeah, there's, so there's two different ways you can go about doing it. Um, that meet in Montana is going to be sick, dude. I'm going to be out there. We've got two guys that are signed up for it. 
Um, so I'm going to be out there handling people and, and, uh, it's going to be a really good time. So the national meets are always super fun. Um, because you just get to see like the way I look at it, it's like all like extended sort of, I don't want to say family. That sounds kind of cheesy, but it's like, you get to see these people who you get to see once a year and you know, them online and you see them or whatever, but then it's almost like when you see each other in real life, it's like, you just pick up where you left off in the fucking DMS, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's fun. And you get to the social aspect of the sport is one of my favorite parts of it. So it's cool. And, and getting out there and also it gives us a fucking reason to go to Montana. Cause I wouldn't be going to Billings, Montana or whatever for like, why the fuck would I Me go either, there? Man. I don't Me either. <laughs> but it's cool because we get to go you know go out a day early me and my wife will get to go see some of the state park and and check out parts of the country and it's just you know that kind of just lends itself to what i say every time i talk about powerlifting is like you know every people probably sick of me fucking saying it but every thing that i have in my life that's worth anything i got from the sport bro like you know this is how I met my wife. This is how I met my best friends. This is how I pay my bills. This is how I've traveled. You know, this is how I felt like the biggest, like I was playing in national tournaments for hockey when I was 13 years old. I was playing, I was traveling all over the country, playing in front of large crowds. You know, I played junior hockey, you know, in like a, in a, in a tough guy league, lots of fights. Like I've done lots of stuff that involved glory but all of my true moments of like two hands up, like have come from this sport too, you know? And, um, and some of my proudest moments too have come from this sport, watching my wife bench 429, watching my wife total a thousand bare knee, um, you know, after taking a year off, like, like, you know, watching some of my best friends, like find their confidence in the gym and at meets is all because of the powerlifting. So like I said, people are probably sick of me saying that shit, but I just, I'm always so grateful for this sport because it, it gave me a sense of purpose when I really had no fucking idea what I was going to do with my life. You know what I mean? Like even when I got off of, you know, you talked about it the last time when I got off of the drugs and, you know, wasn't homeless, you know, like I still didn't really have a sense of purpose and, uh, powerlifting and the culture surrounding it gave me that purpose just took a while for me to find it yeah man i can totally relate to most of that what would you say sets the apo apart from a lot of the organizations aside from the people running it being so accomplished themselves i think that you know first of all like the transparency of uh you know where money's going what the voting procedure is all that stuff being super transparent about that stuff um, I also think having, you know, a board where we have, you know, Hoff is on the board, right? Best to ever do it. Um, and then someone like me who I have been around, you know, the best to ever do it on the male and female side and, and the coaching side, you know, with Lou and, and all that stuff. And then we also have people, you know, uh, Greg and Debbie, you know, they're people who have 
been in this sport for a really fucking long time. I've put on a million meets. I've seen it all, done it all, traveled everywhere for it. And then we also have people, you know, like Danielle, who's kind of new to it. And then, you know, Victoria, who's also kind of new to it. Um, and then, you know, Eric Hubs, who, who puts on, you know, it's really cool because an, a, a thing with Eric, which is great, and I think it's so fucking cool, is he needed a place for uh, to put on meets for, you know, people, Special Olympics athletes. And I think that that is fucking cool, that that was like a thing. Like, he's like, I need this. And it's like, that's such a noble and awesome cause um, and awesome situation, giving those that you know, um, demographic of people somewhere to lift weights and feel powerful and feel confident. Um, and then, you know, J.R. Bolger, who's been judging for, you know, I mean, he's a fucking, he's a dinosaur. He's been doing this shit for fucking ever. Um, and so, you know, he, he has a ton of experience and a ton of know-how and, and all that stuff. So I think, the fact that we, you know, the powerlifting, the way powerlifting should be, you know, that, that whole quote that we put up, um, I think that we're working to, uh, Hoff said it, you know, preserve the last 30 years of powerlifting and keep it true to that form of powerlifting, I think is, is fucking huge. And, and, and for me, that's why I wanted to be involved with it because I felt like it um, I think that the rule book and the judging and the standard uh, all stays true to what I believe is the best form of powerlifting. So I'm going to be biased, obviously, because I'm a part of it and I think it's the best. Um, and if I didn't, you know, if, you, if you're a part of an organization, you don't think it's the best organization, then why are you there? So I think that it's the best situation. And I think that it, um, the steps that we put in place for people to become judges, become state chairs, become regional directors, all that stuff sets the bar pretty high. And so it's a, it's a good kind of, it polices itself. Um, and it kind of keeps the shit bags to a very, very, very minimum, uh, if any at all. You know, people are going to, there's shitty people in every walk of life. People are going to weasel their way in. You know, that's what shitty people do. Um, but we have all the stuff in place to weed those motherfuckers out so we don't have to deal with them. And, and uh, yeah, so I think that that's, that's part of it. And also just like, I don't know, man, there's something about like red, white, and blue motherfucker, like classic rock turned up loud, lifting big weights with a big fucking American flag. Like to me, that I think that that's fucking sick sort of a uh a a clean cut but blue collar vibe uh to me uh just sort of embodies powerlifting and uh the culture that that I fell in love with when it comes to powerlifting. You know, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with you know, USAPL, IPF like that sort of stuff. It's not for me. Um they have their own culture and I'm sure that they work to preserve their culture and I bet you if you ask them they love it and that's awesome and they should stay there you know that's great and our culture that we have i think is the fucking best so i'm going to stay here and i obviously like i said i'm biased but do you do you think, think you're it's fucking badass you, 
you think your culture is the way it is just because you guys are so focused on the experience and not really the outcome? I mean, the outcomes are great. Obviously, the numbers are great. The Like you and Alex both said this, and Alex said this last time we talked on Wednesday. He said, I want the meets to be more than just some silly little medal that they can take home or whatever. You know, I want the experience to be good. I want them to remember the meet more than just this medal. So is that why you feel like your organization will separate yourself from the rest of them just because you guys are so focused on keeping everyone's experience the best it possibly can be. Yeah. For the lifters by the lifters, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's people who actually lift weights running the shit. And so that makes a big difference. Um, and I think that, you know, I can't speak for the organization as a whole. I can only speak to what I've seen and, 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 and our culture here in, in the, um, you know, in new England. Um, but yeah, that's everything, right? Like, it's like, if you go, if the first time you go to a restaurant, you walk in and they're playing music that you don't like serving food that you don't fuck with and they're assholes, you're not going to go back to that fucking restaurant. Right. And, and so to me, it's like, bro, like we have sick fucking music, cool vibes. Like everybody gets along. There's no bullshit. Like, you know, the culture that we have in our gym bleeds into the events that we put on so you know a lot of people will say stuff like you know i'm not loyal to letters i'm loyal to meet directors and like the people you know um it just so happens that our letters i believe have the sickest meet directors so i get to have both you know what i mean <laughs> so, <laughs> so i think that uh you know yeah and i think you're exactly right it is more than just you know, a, a lot of people will do most powerlifters, almost like if you look statistically, almost statistically, all powerlifters, if you pull it out long enough and you pull out enough of the stats, do one meet and then never do another meet. Right. That's most, most, that's what they do. And that's fine. But you want to make sure that that meet is a cool experience for them. Um. I was talking to a gentleman in our gym who just signed up for his, for he's going to do army. It's his first one. And, you know, he's a little stressed out about prep and coaches and who he's going to work and all this stuff, you know? And I told him, I said, I want you to have a good experience with powerlifting. That's my biggest thing is I want you to have a good experience. Whether you do another meet or not, I don't really care. You know, if you want to, that's great, but I want you to have a good experience. So I told him, I said, you can have anxiety about, the social stuff and, you know, what's going to happen, who's going to coach you, how you're going to prep, how the prep's going to go, all that stuff. That's fine. Have that anxiety, right? Don't have anxiety about how the meet's going to go because it's going to go awesome and we'll take care of you. We'll make sure it's a good time. You know what I mean? And so when you can take that off someone's plate, it's a great feeling as a coach and a gym owner and, and a state chair uh, and a representative of the sport because you can just say like, bro, all that other stuff is normal to feel nervous, anxiety about. Don't feel that way about the meat. Just come in and lift weights and have a fucking good time. You know, and so you want to make sure that um, when someone walks out of uh, when someone walks out of the meat, they're sitting there saying like whether they had a good day of lifting and they did well or not, they walk out and they say like, I was treated with respect. The judging was fair. I had a good time. Um, and whether they do a meet or not, they have a good memory associated with the sport. So when someone says the word powerlifting, 
they can say, I did a powerlifting meet and it was fucking awesome. And it was through this Federation's APO thing. And it was, and it was awesome. And I might not ever do one again, but it was great. I think that that is the way, because a lot of times what happens with people trying to put on meets, I think is they get hung up on trying to make it this like pro level meet. Right. And that's great. And I think pro level meets are important. Obviously that's where I want to compete. I, I've only done two local meets in the past fucking you know five years or whatever. Right. But that's not who funds the sport. Amateurs fund the sport. There is no fucking MLB without AAU baseball. Like there is no fucking NHL without peewee hockey. It doesn't happen, right? You need amateurs to bring that up because through the filter of the many, you get the ones that go that go to the top, right? And also like, Pro meets, more times than not, you're not paying to do them. They're giving a payout to you. How the fuck do you think they get that money? From the payment of the amateurs on the amateur day. You see what I mean? Like, we need that. So I think that local meets are super fucking important. Because the other thing, too, is if you think about it just from, like, a talent pool level, and you think of that, so you've got um let's just i know the most about hockey so let's just talk about that you've got junior you've got junior a echl ahl nhl now if all the guys at the nhl were like man fuck the ahl fuck the echl that shit's fucking whack that's lame they're not gonna have any fucking players in the nhl because you have to develop these people right so amateurs develop into good amateurs good amateurs develop into decent pros and decent pros develop into high level pros and we need to treat powerlifting the same way. The only way that we do that is if our local meets are held to the same standard as the pro meets when it comes to experience. And I think that um, the way that, you know, just to keep pumping the APO, but the way that we've set it up uh, makes it so that that can happen and that people can go to a local meet, have a standard do well there and they can take that standard and apply it to the national meet that they go to and they know what they're going to get. And then they can perform there, which is just going to up their level as far as how good they are at this sport and, and so on and so forth. And just round and round and fucking go. Now with the APO, it's like a subsect of the WPO. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. the, the eventual idea is that, if you do well enough at nationals that there will be an international or a world competition for people to participate in with, that would be WPO yeah. affiliated. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're figuring out the nuances of that. Um, so I don't really want to go into like specifics because I don't want, because it's like, you know how the internet is, man. If I accidentally said I had a white shirt on right now, there'd be 20 people calling me a fucking liar because it's gray, you know, and I just misspoke or whatever. So I don't want to say anything that's not a hundred percent true. But yeah, you know, in the in an ideal world, you know, and and eventually it will build to world international level. Um, I know that we have people who are affiliated already overseas, um, and then obviously the WPO Pro, which will be the WPO as we know it. Um, they're calling it WPO Pro. Um, you know, will take lifters from the APO and the world affiliate to fill that roster. 
Um, and don't quote me on this. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I believe that there is a raw uh, equivalent to that kind of being worked out as well. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, there's so much that goes into this stuff that during the, the, the board meetings, I just try to retain as much as I can, but some of it is like, I only have so much room, uh, you know, in my brain. So, um, but yeah, so eventually to have international competition the same way um, that most other federations have like a world affiliate or whatever. I've never been on the platform before. And now just hearing you and Alex talk about this type of stuff, it makes me like, okay, if I ever do want to compete, this is probably the direction I'm going to go now because all the other stuff seems very confusing to me. Plus all the stuff that Alex has told me and the horror stories that he's been to on some of the meets that he's been to. I'm sure you have hundreds of horror stories that you've, you've probably been a part of or experienced. So um, I'm just glad to know it's like, okay, well now it seems like I know these names of these people in the APO. So it's like, I feel like those are people that I can trust if I actually did want to go compete in a meet. Was that kind of what you guys wanted to do is just unsettle people's nerves and just kind of be like, Hey, these are some names that you know, or these are some people that you know. So just like, this is going to be a good experience just to get everybody on the same yeah, playing that, field. Yeah. And that you can trust, right. And people you can trust and that, you know, are going to have the, listen, my answer to stuff might not always be the answer that you want. Right. But, but I don't think anyone's going to say that I don't love powerlifting. I don't think anyone's going to say that I'm not here to boost powerlifting as a whole. Not, not me. Like, obviously, yeah, I want to promote myself. Of course, bro. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't want to fucking, you know, have a legacy. Of course I fucking do. Like, if you don't think so, like, go look at my Instagram. Like, I, yeah, I'm trying to build a legacy for myself. Of course. Um, but, uh, you know, we want to build the sport up as a whole. And I think that putting people in the forefront that people know and trust are about the sport and not just about themselves. Um, helps that. So I have a question for you though. So, you're obviously like, yo, you're on this podcast, you know, you're obviously trained uh, to some capacity uh, what, for you. Like, what is like, what's the deal, bro? Why haven't you? Why, the biggest, <laughs> the, the biggest, the biggest step that I had this dude say this to me a long time ago, the, the hardest and largest step that a powerlifter makes in their career is only this big. And it's stepping onto the platform. So that's fair. What the, what the fuck is the deal, bro? Like, I just what? don't think, um, and I, I haven't been a coach very long, obviously I haven't been a strength coach very long. And so, uh, sure. and I, we all play the comparison game at times too. So I just look at people that go to meets and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, if I go total this, what am I going to do comparatively to these other people? But honestly in Missouri, I don't know. I need to figure out the ins and the outs of where to go and actually compete because i'd have to travel probably to st louis or to kansas city to actually compete but yeah ar around here in southwest missouri there's just not a lot of opportunities to compete i mean i think maybe one of the gyms up the road does just a local mock meet every now and then but no nothing that's like actually competitive really where i'm at i think is a lot of reason too why i haven't got on the platform but yeah i know alex sure. keeps telling me i need to compete so i'm just gonna have to bite the bullet and do the do the meet and move on Bro, bro, I don't, uh, I don't offer this to anyone, uh, but like, you fucking want to make your first one out in New Hampshire, we'll cut your entry in half. Oh God, 
So fuck, and now it's recorded. So now you've got pressure. And let me just tell you. And let me let me just tell you. Let me just tell you this. And and I won't hound you on it because I know people have people have a different experience with everything, right? But what I tell, I remember talking to this kid at the doghouse. There was like these kids on like the peripheral. We'd have our training group. It wasn't a private private gym like in the way that like anyone could get a membership there, right? Um, but we had like our training time and there'd be people there. Right. And so you end up building these small relationships with people just in passing and whatever. And I said to him, like, when are you going to compete motherfucker? What's the deal? And, uh, and he's like, oh, I don't know. I just want to make sure that I'm competitive and I'm this. I'm like, let me tell you something right now. You could take the next five years, quit your job, be independently wealthy, all eat, sleep, train. That's it. Like a fucking Russian, like just fuck it. And, First of all, your first meet, you're not going to blow the fucking world apart. You're not going to set the world on fire <laughs> and no one's going to fucking remember what you did. Right. So I, I, we're sitting here. I've been on this podcast twice. Right. I just broke a world record. Could you tell me what the number was? 1078. 1074. Right. So, oh. you, so, so <laughs> right. So and I'm not saying that to put you on the spot, but what I'm saying is at the end of the day, you're sitting here talking about somebody with a world record, right? And you can't tell me what the number is. So no one's going to know. And I don't say it to be shitty. I say it to put it in perspective. If you can't remember what my world record is and you asked me to be on your show, <laughs> what are the chances that the guy is going to remember what you did at your first meet? It's not about them. It's about you, right? So like I would have done that squat in an empty fucking room with nobody there and I would have done it the exact same and it would have meant the same to me, right? And so what I tell people is like, you're never ready. You're never. So just do it. Just go do Fuck it. Fuck it. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like people say it about having kids too, right? They're like, you're never gonna, it's never gonna be the perfect time. You just gotta, and I don't have kids and don't want kids, but that's a, a thing that I've heard people say, right? It's just <laughs> when it happens, you'll make it, you'll make it happen and it'll be right. Um, so same thing with it, you know, it's like, and, and, and people run into that too, with like the equipment stuff too. They'll say, Oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z raw before I get into gear. And what I tell people is like, that's great. If you want to do that and have yourself have these like benchmarks that you want before you get into, but also you should lift however the fuck you want in whatever division you want. And as long as you are proud of what you're doing, then fuck it. It's all good because uh, at the end of the day, most people are not even going to, are not going to remember your numbers. I basically, what I just did to you with the numbers, I had the exact same experience before my, uh, before my first meet. Um, there's this gentleman, uh, Tony Barbasio, Barbasio, Barbasio. Uh, he's, he's since passed, um, but he was a big kind of uh, geared guy who, who kind of switched over to raw. He was New England. Uh, I think he was from New jersey years and years ago i was in the cube method facebook group that brent and lily had like it was like you know a total shit show but it was you know whatever it was like one of my only sources for information and i posted in there i got my first meet coming up like help basically and he messaged me and said give me a call so i get on the phone with him he tells me his backstory all this stuff and i start basically saying what you were saying and he did the same thing to me. He goes, we've been on the phone five minutes. I just told you my numbers. What's my best squat? And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. And he's like, exactly. You don't even, you don't know. 
but you know that you appreciate this phone call, right? Like, and you appreciate me helping you. You're going to remember me for this. You're not going to remember me for the numbers, right? And there's definitely times where you remember people's numbers, of course, right? But you remember the person more than not. You know what I mean? It's like, you could sit here and say, you know, Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time. Can you list off all his stats? Most people fucking can't. He's got a bunch of Super Bowls and a bunch of MP- MVPs, and I'm sure he's thrown a lot of touchdowns. But you just know he's the best because he's the best and he's, you know, the way that he acts is professional and all that stuff. So people are going to remember how, for the most part, people are going to remember how you act more than your numbers. And so I tell people when they're kind of nervous to do their first one, like, fuck it, dude, it's a throwaway. Pick one. Pick one that's five weeks out and fucking go and have a good time and figure out the kind of the rhythm and the cadence of being in a meet. And you'll know, you will know after you take your first squat if it's for you or not. Like you will know, that's how you can tell. People come out from their first squat, they're already talking about their second meet or they have anxiety about their second squat and they're never going to do it again. You know, you'll know very fucking quick. Right, uh, right. And most people, and most people love it. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of people really love that experience. So I just wanted to bust your balls and put you on the spot a little bit. Thank uh, you. Because Good job on doing who that. I, I that's who that. I am as a person. I can't, I didn't get to pick my personality. This is- I'll even double down on this, Nathan. If you go to New Hampshire to one of his meets, I'll, I'll fly out and handle you since I write your programs anyways. All right, deal. Damn. Deal. Damn. Or better yet, just sign up for. Oh, never mind. You can't do the national one because you haven't done a meet yet. I was gonna say, just come to Montana with us and quit being such a pussy. All right, we're going. We we do two a year, buddy. You're fucking welcome anytime. Anytime, baby. And and the food out here is bomb. (laughs) I I believe that. Sounds like we're going to New Hampshire. Now the pressure is now the pressure is on, man. (laughs) I kind of piggyback off of what you were saying, Anthony. How? I mean, I think. We know this, obviously, but for people who maybe not know, how big is it that you think powerlifting builds that mindset of, like, just jump, right? Like, instead of getting your toe in the water, just fucking do it, right? Do you think that yeah, carries uh, over pretty uh, big from powerlifting? For, for sure. I think that um, uh, it kind of teaches people that – I think that it teaches people that, right? Like, to go, like, put your – like, head first, right? Um. But it also, I think it also teaches people that um, no matter how much you love something or want something, sometimes you don't get what you want. And I think that that's a great lesson that you learn in powerlifting too. Um, uh, a really, really great friend of mine, um, Rob Fusco, uh, he trains in Worcester. He's a legend in, in hardcore. He's been in a bunch of bands. He's, he's the dude and we've become pretty close. He said something to me. Um, when I was going through some personal stuff, he said, uh, you don't, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you fight for. And I think powerlifting is a great, uh, a great way to, to, uh, to experience that because you might have a great prep and everything might go right. And, and you deserve a big total and it just doesn't happen. And but uh, by the same token, you might have the most fucked up prep you've ever had in your life, like I did going into WPO. 
and I fucking clawed tooth and nail to just to make it to the fucking meet. Like I was like, I just gotta get there. I just have to get there. And I end up going uh, eight for nine, which I've never done in an equipped meet before. I mean, three for three on my benches after breaking my elbow and tearing my tricep. You know, like I think that powerlifting, there's so many things, there's so many lessons, and they're so cliche at this point. They've been beaten into the fucking ground, but it's like you learn a lot about yourself when you're all alone with a bar on your back you know, or, or, or weight coming over your face or, or looking at something that you have to pick up off the ground. I think so much of it transfers over to normal everyday life. Um, and I've, I've said this recently, uh, you know, I feel like my purpose on this earth is, is to help people find their confidence through fitness and, and through lifting weights. Um, and I've been able to watch people. I have people that I've been coaching for fucking in seven years you know I, I have people that i've been with you know they're fucking they've seen me go through everything i've seen them go through everything and i've been able to watch people learn how to deal with adversity through powerlifting and then apply that same thing to their everyday life and then i've also seen people go through adversity in their everyday life and learn how to apply that to powerlifting um, I have a, a client and friend who uh, lost his father, uh, who he was very close with, and it was really, really hard on him. And and then that same person have a pretty brutal back injury in training, um, maybe a year after that, and I watched him apply the same tenacity of, you know, dealing with adversity because him and his dad owned a business together and, and all this stuff. So he had a lot of shit that he had to deal with, with that. And when he hurt his back, it was not boohoo. It was not, woe is me. It was, I tweaked my back really bad. I gave myself one day to sit in a bathtub and be a sad boy about it. And then I immediately started doing um, every rehab thing I could possibly think of. And now he's basically back to normal and he came back from a herniated disc. Um, and I believe that he'll, in the next year or so, he'll, he'll get his first uh, thousand pound squat. Um, and it's just really awesome. And I feel very fortunate to be able to assist people, even if it's in a small way, uh, find that confidence through powerlifting, through the mechanism of powerlifting and be able to, it helped them in their, their everyday life. I mean, um, I don't know how much I talked about it on the last, was I in a brace the last time we had that? I don't remember. I think it was pre. I think so. yeah. right, but right before it, I think. Had yeah. The, had, the, had the WPO happened yet or no? No. It had not, no, it right? So, yeah. So, you know, over the course of, in the span of two weeks, I had an avulsion fracture, the partially torn tricep and had to put my dog down. And we literally drove straight from putting my dog down, uh, drove basically straight from there to the gym to squat. Um, and I think powerlifting taught me how to use the gym for answers to everything else that's going on in my life. And 
Um, I've watched other people experience that. Lou said that. I probably talk about this on every fucking podcast, but Lou said the answers are in the gym every time. Anything that you want to find out about yourself, you can find out about it in the gym. And um, whether that is, you know, maybe you find out about yourself that you're using the gym as a form of escapism and you need to fucking figure out your shit and face it head on. Or maybe you find out that the gym is a way to release that sadness and anger and anxiety and whatever. And you might also find out in the gym what truly makes you happy also because you have time to be inside of your own head thinking about things or completely disassociating and having thoughts that you wouldn't normally have. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, I, I feel really fortunate to, to, to kind of circle back to what you said, the diving in head first and being all in and being, whether that means being all in where you check every box outside of the gym or being all in, meaning taking the, the, the step to sign up for your first meet powerlifting can teach you an incredible amount about yourself and life um, just by the nature of what the sport is, because I feel like, you know, it's a, it's an individual sport, but you need a support system to get through it. Right. Um, 99.999 repeating uh, of, of lifters have people around them supporting them, whether it's in training or their support system at home, right? They have a support system to get themselves through it. But when you're under the bar, you're by yourself, right? And I think life is the same way. You have, I'm not trying to get too woo-woo here, but, um, you know, yeah, like you need a support system, whether it's friends, family, partner, whatever. Um, but when it comes down to it, like we all get put six feet under by ourselves, right? And we all deal with things individually with the assist the assistance of our support, you know, here and there. And I think there's just so many fucking parallels between lifting weights and and life in general. Um, and I think people can really learn a lot through it. I know that I fucking have for sure. I'm a better person because of powerlifting. Uh, and I think that most people would say the same, you know? So do a fucking meet motherfucker. All right. When am I going to New Hampshire then? When's this meet? When's this meet? Join, join us. Uh, we do <laughs> one in, uh, in, in the fall and in the spring. So whichever works out better for you, buddy, you get your fall, ass out here. Fall would be really good. I think fall would work perfect. Right around right. my birthday, so we can. All right, so your meat prep for fall starts right after this deload currently going through that I think <laughs> ends on Monday. So it good does. luck with that, buddy. You it don't does. have to choose anymore. I'm like, ah, let's you're do it. Fucking do what you're told this time. That's right. Let's we've, do it. We've, we've bullied you into submission of doing a fucking meat prep. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, and yes. honestly, yes. dude, honestly, dude, you'll be happy. You'll be happy. Um, once it's like, I'm fucking doing it. Once it happens, you know what I mean. It's like. Um, when my great story, when my, my wife kind of stepped away from, um, the equip side of things and she didn't really know what percentage of her life wanted to be powerlifting and where she was going to go. We were talking about, a this push pull. We're talking about it, talking about it in the group. And all of a sudden she's just like, I signed up. She just went on her phone. She's like, I did it. And that was it. And then, and then the bandaid was peeled off and then prep started. And then we went, you know what I mean? And the same, she did the same thing when she, 
decided to do a bench only in multiply hadn't put a shirt on since 2020 and uh and just like we were talking about it and then we're in training she picks up her phone and, and she's just like all right fuck it i signed up i'm in and uh that one moment of fuck it uh lines you up to and now you got it you know what i mean and then it's kind of like to me it's like when you say you're gonna do something you do it but like if that can kind of fall through <clears throat> once you sign on the dotted line you're in there's no <clears throat> there's no pulling out so i yeah, i just I'm, like uh, the enthusiasm that you have just tells me everything i need to know about you obviously trying to get other people involved in the sport like we've never met in person you've been on the podcast one time now today's your second time and you're just like all right i'm gonna get this guy to me obviously and, and to me that's genuine i think that's genuine though because it's like that shows how much you care about what you're doing and how much you care about the sport and want to grow and want want to to be on a level where everyone can do this thing yeah i mean dude think about it like it's my whole life so it's like people who own a barbecue pit are probably talking to motherfuckers about barbecue sauce a whole lot you know what i mean <laughs> and so my, my whole life is like that's all we like that's all me and my wife talk about like that's this, this is our life you know and um it's so funny too man because people a lot of times maybe people who have stepped away from it or never were fully in it or whatever they love to say like that it's like this immature thing you know and it's like you know it's like well you know a lot of the, the big one is when they stop powerlifting like i've got real life stuff to do i've got you know i've got i've got you know i'm gonna be adulting and all this stuff and it's like you know i have real you know i have life goals so i have to step away from this and it's like what do you think people who powerlift don't have jobs and goals motherfucker like we all got them like <laughs> you know what i mean they turn it into this like sure. immature thing and i i said this on a um on another podcast i was on but it's like people think it's this dumb meathead thing but man some of the most smart now obviously there's some big strong dumb motherfuckers don't get me wrong l l believe me there are some people who are just big dumb strong idiots and that's awesome but almost almost every high level strong person that i've met has been some of the smartest people that i've met and the people who have been in this sport for a long time end up being some of the most introspective self-aware um intelligent growth seeking people that I've ever been around because you get to a certain point in this sport where you've got to be smarter than the weights are or you're not going to progress it's like if you fucking if you have a cow and the cow has a has a baby you could pick up that baby on Monday you could pick up that baby on Tuesday and on Wednesday and probably for that week you could pick up that fucking cow and then eventually you're not going to be able to pick up that cow anymore. And you're going to have to figure out a way to pick it up if you have to. Right. And it's the same thing with powerlifting. You, there's a lot. The first three years you do this, you can fucking do whatever you want. You're going to get stronger just by way of that's just how things work. You could go in and bench 135. And the next day you could go in and bench 140 and 150 and 160 for quite some time. And then all of a sudden you're going to hit this wall where it's like, how the fuck do I put five pounds on my total? 
and you have to figure it out. And that to me, I think with powerlifting is like, that's where you see who the smart motherfuckers are because they have to scratch, scratch and claw to get a five pound PR that they fought two years for, you know, and uh, people who are not intellectual and are not smart will not be able to do that. People who are not self-aware um, and honest with themselves can't do that because most of the time when you go, why am I not progressing? Nine times out of 10, it's something that has to do with you and you have to be honest with yourself. It's like, oh, I'm not progressing because I am a mega pussy about eating food or I am an asshole about going to bed or I like whiskey too much or whatever. And those are, or it's like, or I uh, smoke too much weed and can't get myself to do my mobility stuff or whatever, I'm lazy or whatever. And those are hard conversations to have with yourself. The only way they happen is if you're a smart and, uh, you know, introspective type person. Um, so yeah, I'm fucking passionate about getting people into this sport because I think that it teaches you stuff and also uh, exposes stuff that you need to work on as well. But I think no. you're a smart guy already. Just so we're <laughs> so we're clear. I think you're doing great. I think you're great just how you are. Well, wow. look 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 at the sweet sweet side of Anthony. <laughs> I think there's some room for growth. For sure. But I think no. I think if you did a meet, you'd be even cooler. Right. Going back to the confidence thing, Anthony, one of the, the big yes. things I noticed is obviously overcoming fear builds that confidence. But what do you think are some of the other factors that you face when you're training and doing these powerlifting meets that help build that confidence as well, besides overcoming those fears? Oh, well, the first thing is like realizing that you can be consistent and you can and you can do stuff when you don't necessarily feel like doing it, right? And that's the confidence builder. Right. Because, you know, just, you know, for, for instance, like, um, let's say you're not a super, uh, confident person with like, you know, talking to women, let's just say, or whoever, you know, I'd be PC, whoever it is that you want to talk to, whatever it may be. Right. Let's say you're not super confident in that area of your life. Well, if you go in and, uh, you know, you're a 315 squatter or a 350 squatter and you've always wanted to squat four plates. 405 was like the thing you wanted. Eventually you're going to do that and you're going to be like, dude, I can do something that I put my mind to. And all of a sudden it's not as scary to talk to that girl that you don't know. It's not as scary to ask for that raise, right? I think confidence, uh, you know, it is bred by consistency of action. Um, you know, if you wake up every morning and look in the mirror and say, you're a big, dumb fucking idiot to yourself every morning, guess what you're going to be a big, dumb fucking idiot. But if you wake up every morning and you look at yourself and you're like, I'm a fucking man, like I'm a badass motherfucker. And I am, I'm going to do everything that I said I'm going to do today. Eventually, guess what? You're going to be a bad motherfucker that does everything that you say you're going to do. Right. And if you are training four days a week or however many days a week, more times than not, you're probably not going to be perfectly set up to have a great day in the gym just because the nature of life. Right. But I think showing up and continuing to show up shows people to that they can do 
stuff when it's hard, right? Like, you know, everybody does these like cold plunges. I love cold plunges. I like, I think it's such great stuff. That's uncomfortable. The lunges that I do things that are not necessarily easy. Well, all it takes is a couple of days of lunges where your fucking knee is tweaked and you're beat the fuck up from squats the night before. Just takes a couple of those that you do it anyway, that you're just confident you can do it anytime. Right. And then, so that's sort of like the sort of woo woo, you know, sort of side of it. But then the other side of it is like, it breeds confidence just in picking up big fucking weights, dude, and weights that are probably scary to you initially. All that it takes is one moment of like, I'm scared of this weight and doing it anyway. And when I say do it, I just mean attempting it, whether you get crushed or you do, or you finish the lift, the confidence of getting under it leads into everything else. Um, and I think that like, also just the sense of feeling physically strong and not frail, you know, it's like, um, you know, my, my wife worked with someone just in a PT sense that was, uh, he was 80 something years old, dementia, um, tiny little frail guy, right? He, you know, his, his daughter was scared for him to get up in the, in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom by himself. And my wife worked with him and was phenomenal. And she, uh, built him up to the point where it started snowing. He went outside and started fucking shoveling the deck when this guy could barely go to the bathroom by himself six months previous. So she built him up physically. And then because he was built up physically, he had the confidence to do things that he could not do before. And you see it time and time again, uh, strength training and powerlifting specifically, because that's the type of strength training that I enjoy helps people find their power, whether it's, physical or mental or a combination of both. And I think that um, confidence builds because when you repeatedly show yourself that you can do something, everything else seems like kind of a joke. You know what I mean? Like I'm not really scared to interact with people um, because I've dumped 600 pounds on my belly before and i've missed 1100 pound squats and once you do that a couple times like and nothing's really scary anymore like it's just you can just the confidence level it's like i can get on the phone with whoever i can talk to whoever and it's not a big deal to me because i've had oh shit moments with weights that could fuck me up and that breeds confidence just on a very basic level. It's like when you show someone, what's that movie? Ah, fuck. It's like some movie with like Elijah Wood in it where he, like the soccer gangs and they fight and what it's like. Green Street Hooligans. Something. Yeah, yeah. So great. Awesome. Kind of cheesy, but cool movie, right? Um, and he says like, once you figure out that you're not made of glass, you know, you can basically do anything. And I think powerlifting helps people find that. I know it does. I don't think it does. I know it. I watch it every fucking day in my gym. Speaking of which, Nathan, I just registered for the national meet, so you better get on your shit eventually. Uh, Boom. Uh, it's Hey, 
Just send me the details, send me the info. It's going down. Let's fucking go. Well, you need to go to the APO website and become a member first. Uh, then, oh boy. then then you can be a part of the club. All right. I'll get, it, I'll get it done today. Later today. I'll get it done today. <laughs> Sick. Sick. So I've been peer pressured into it. So now it's here we go. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> the coolest thing you didn't know you were going to do. Uh, it'll be good. I'm excited now. now I'm looking forward to something. Fuck yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, when I did it, it, it made my training as a, you, you called me a cyborg before. Like now it just gave me that much more interest in doing what I was doing. Like I have plenty of reasons to do it, but now it just intensifies those reasons. And you know, I was like, oh shit, well, we better get this done. Having a having a uh, a date on the calendar marked um, makes training slightly more stressful, but also holds you accountable. It's like um, I'm assuming both of you guys do like PT with people, like personal training and work with people and whatever. Nine times out of ten, with like Gen Pop people, it's like. The workout isn't even the important part. The important part's them just showing up. And the reason that they hire you is because they're too if they hire you, they're embarrassed, they're too embarrassed to cancel going to the gym because they have to tell someone that they're canceling. Whereas as if they were just going to the gym, they could just not show up and no one's gonna fucking notice. Right? Accountability. So the accountability. And when you've got that date on a fucking post-it note. And you have that little bit of bitch assness creeping in the back of your head <laughs> that says you want to sleep in or you want to do whatever. You see that, and it makes you. You know, I I had a um a really hard time when we first moved out here. Uh, I lost a bunch of weight. I lost probably like twenty pounds. Hurt my pec. <clears throat> um, hurt my back. I was having a really hard time. I took a post-it note, put it on the back of my door. So I see it every morning. It says, decide to be better. Right? And just seeing that every morning, put it in my head, and it helped me kind of get through that. Um, and then a little later in our time here, I was having a hard time with, you know, some social stuff, how I wanted to be perceived, how I wanted to interact with people, all this stuff. I put a post-it note going out of the door of my house on the, on the side of the door that says, what story will you write today? And those two things keep me accountable. Um, Cause I don't need the accountability to like go to the, I love going to the gym. I'm never going to like that. There's no, you know, I love it. I love training. Like it's just, it's my favorite part of the day. Right. Um, but with everything else, those two things are a reminder to me that keep me accountable on like how I act, how I present to people and, and like what I'm doing to be better in every aspect of my life, you know? So accountability is fucking huge. And uh, the date on the calendar does sort of the same thing. I'm for, I'm not forced, but I, you know, I know every fall I've got WPO. So we get into like early summer and I'm like, it's time to start fucking dialing in because I know that this is coming up and it's time to fucking turn up, you know? Um, and that makes my training. There's like, you know, I always train hard. I, I, you know, I'm not a guy who takes extended periods off. I really enjoy it, but there's like the intensity level. And then as soon as it 
you know, you see that date on the calendar, it kind of just goes and ratchets up a little bit, you know, and that's where the, that's the fun part, right? That's the sweet spot. You know, that's where you start doing stuff that you didn't know you could do. I think the date on the calendar would be good for me mentally because it's like now, like it's you're saying, I sometimes get lost in the like, what am I actually working for? And so now this will kind of give me a little bit better perspective of what I am working towards. So be a good little reminder. Yes, Fuck yeah. It gives, gives you any consolation, Nathan. I now have to do this in front of some of the best fucking people in the world that are going to be in the fucking building. And like, I don't even know what I'm doing still. <clears throat> that's so, awesome though, dude. And that's, it's uh life is for man in the arena. Life is for someone who puts their fucking hat in the ring. Some people like to talk shit from the sidelines and that's great. Most people. And that's fucking great. Yeah. Good for them. I'm the dude that wants to be up in front of everybody laying it on the line and, you know, saying proudly that I put everything into this win, lose or draw. This is the best I have on this day. And, uh, and, and putting yourself in front of people who you look up to or people that are better at what you're doing than you are or whatever just brings out the best in you it might not bring out the best numbers but it'll bring out the best in you because you find out you know what type of person you are in those circumstances my first equipped meet that i did was battle of the titans in ohio dave hoff was putting on the meet uh kale totaled like 25 something and i think 98 fucking travis bell bench 900 pounds Jimmy Pacifico total 2,500 at 220. Like there was these fucking monsters. I'm looking around the warm up room and dudes are taking weights in briefs that are bigger than I'm going to take on my third attempt on the platform. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. Um, but you put yourself in those situations where you meet these people and you realize they put their pants on just like you. And you just go out there and do your very best. And it kind of brought the best out of me. I love that shit. So it's, you know, uh, I'll say, I'll say to you, you know, something that Bill Crawford, um, not the metal militia, Bill Crawford, Bill Crawford from New Hampshire. He's the first guy to carry first American to carry a Hoosevelt stone uh, in that farm over in Europe or whatever. He's a big strongman guy. But he said to me when I was getting ready for that meet, you know, I knew that there were going to be some heavy hitters there. And he said, take a minute in that warm-up room to just sit down and look around and see who's there. And just accept, like, like have a moment of like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, I'm up in this motherfucker right now. And it's like one of those things, you know, it's like, what's that quote? It's like, you know, some of the best views are on the climb up to the top of Everest, you know? And so during, you know, everybody's so focused on outcome, 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 what's going to happen. I got to get through this meet. I got to do that. I got this and that, but the coolest, some of the coolest moments are in between when you look around and you're like, I'm fucking doing it, dude. Like this is part of the process. I'm around all these people. I, put myself in a stressful situation to see what I can do in that moment. And uh, it's just another yet again, lesson that powerlifting will teach you, you know, but I love that. It's like, everybody's so 
focused on the getting to the top of the mountain. It's like, man, take a minute on the way up to look around and appreciate. And I'm glad that I did because now it's like, I don't want to say I'm at the top of the mountain or anything. That's crazy. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, that's fucking insane, but I, uh, I get a chance to kind of be around those guys and compete with those guys on a high level. And I'm really glad that early in my career, in those moments, I took took the time to look around and be like, fuck yeah. Like, you know, like when I was at Westside, I have a couple pictures on my phone that people took like candidly of me talking to Lou, of me, uh, you know, working with Chuck, of me, you know, squatting with Luke Edwards or benching with Coker or you know, learning from Dave. I have all these, you know, kind of candid photos and these videos. I video everything, dude. I'm I'm sure motherfuckers when I was there were like, who is this guy? Like when I first got there and, you know, this, they probably thought I was lame for it or whatever. But I'm so glad that I have that. And I, I've made posts on social media for years where I've been like, man, I feel so fortunate that I got to be around these people. Um, proud of myself for putting myself there. But the only reason you get to have those, the only way you get to have those feelings is if you take a second, like what you guys are doing, right? With this podcast, right? It's sick. You have people on here that's a snapshot in time. You know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty sure you have Fahey on here. Yeah. Michael Fahey. Yeah. So that's cool, man. That's huge, right? Like, he did West Side versus the World. He's working on this other documentary. He's been around it and all this stuff. Like you get to have that moment that you procured for yourself as a memory stamped. No one can ever take that away from you. You have that. That's awesome. That's a part of powerlifting history is like a part of powerlifting history is you guys having this podcast, having me on it having Fahey on it, having uh, Mike Burrow on it. These are people who have been around the sport for a long time and have done some cool things in the sport, right? And I think it's important for everybody to recognize those moments as they're happening and then recognize like how cool it is to be able to look back and be like, what I was doing in that moment was important for the sport and for my legacy as a person within the sport. I regularly will open my photos and touch the top of my phone and go all the way to the top and look and kind of skim through and just look at the memories that I've made with different people, the lifts I've had with different people, the, the, the experiences I've had, the people I've gotten to meet. And I'm so grateful that I took the time to remember those moments and you guys should too, because what you're doing is important. What, what you're doing is fucking cool, man. You know what I mean? Like I had, you know, when I was doing my podcast, I had, I think I had like 200 episodes, like right around there, had everybody on it. Everyone fucking from, you know, the bass player of all that remains to a guy who owned my buddy of mine who ran a winery to Hoff to Joe Jordan to, you know, Danny, like, you know, all these motherfuckers, right? Laura, you know, all this. And to me, it's super important. And I'm super proud that I did that because I have an hour of me talking to Ed Cohn 
and no one can ever take that away. And people will listen to that for years to come because they're going to search Ed's name and that's going to come up. And I was able to help kind of time capsule that for people. And you guys are doing the same thing. And that's really sick. And I think that it's really cool um, that kind of, I don't want to say like I passed the torch to you or what, what that's <laughs> fucking weird too. But, it, you know, that's fucking strange. But sort of like, it's cool that like, I kind of stepped away from doing my podcast. Um, and I look around and there's guys like you that are doing it the same way where it's not on this super high level, like a, like a table talk or Mark Bell's thing or <clears throat> raw talk or all that. Um, it's sort of like this grassroots, like super genuine, just talking about lifting and talking to people who are in the sport. And yeah, I think it's really rad. So that's me pumping your fucking tires. That's okay, now, two nice things I've said. Now I got to get you, podcast. we got to get, we got to get the, all the remains bass player on here. Cause that would be someone that I'd want to talk to, <laughs> but that's just me. So I could put you in contact with Bubble. He's a cool guy. He, you know what's so funny about him, dude? It's so cool. He uh, he he was in. You know, he played bass in uh, Barrier Dead, Legend, um, All That Remains. He was in um, that band Drugs for a little bit, and then I think he toured with like Jelly Roll and you know whatever, right? So, but he's done these huge festivals. You know, he's played in Europe in front of fucking hundred thousand people and all this shit. He, I was there for his first powerlifting meet. He did it at Laura Phelps' gym. And it's a pretty big meet. You know, 100 spectators maybe. Like, it's pretty big. Nothing crazy. He said going up for his first squat was the most nervous he's ever been. And I was like, that's insane. Wow. You're an insane person. Like, I was like, <laughs> you're an I literally looked at him like, you're an insane person for thinking that. Because you've literally played an instrument in front of, a hundred thousand people who paid to see you play it and would know if you fucked up. If you went up here and ate shit, most people would forget that it even happened by the end of the day. But you, it's like, it's so funny to yeah. see like the different pressures that people put on themselves and what's normal for them. It's like, you're not nervous playing in front of that many people where if you hit the wrong note, everyone's going to fucking know it, but you're nervous to try to squat 400 pounds in front of 50 people in Cincinnati. Wow. You know, it's just it's out of crazy. his element. Yeah, just yeah. out of his element completely. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's really it's really cool to kind of watch people go through that. And then he ended up doing a couple of meets after that. But yeah, all that is to say, like, I think what you guys are doing is really cool and, and important. Um, lifting weights and 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 sharing the uh the gospel of strength training uh is important and having candid conversations about it um is important and you guys will be really happy you did this like 20 years from now you look back on this and be like that was fucking sick you know what i mean and and i just want you guys to know that people take note of that i think i think we sit i know back, i do we I sit I back do. sometimes and we go wow we had this guy on or wow we had that guy on but it's like we really sometimes i do it every time someone says yes <laughs> yeah. it's awesome <laughs> yeah we really we love having you guys on it, it's awesome it's cool it's cool, man. And, and it's awesome too, because I think that from, uh, you know, I've been in your shoes too, where, you know, like doing a podcast, reaching out to someone being like, Hey man, like, do you think it would be cool if you, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and what you find out though, um, is 
people are just fucking people you know like people are just we're all it's we're all just dudes you know we're all just people doing the thing and <laughs> i think that uh it's it's really cool because doing you know doing a podcast and trying to reach out to people and all that stuff you've probably found that now it ain't shit you slide into the dms what's up bro like we'd love to have you on here's a link to my podcast we've had this person this person on It'd be really rad if you came on too if not no big deal whatever whereas as the first couple messages you were probably nervous to send <laughs> I, i'm still a little nervous like i sent one to <laughs> i sent one to ben ben Polly the other day and i was like i don't know if this guy's gonna even respond he's been on table talk and all that stuff and i was just like ah, oh, yeah. whatever, whatever i'll send it anyway and he was just super nice and super cool about it so i was like yeah ben, ben's I, a great guy yeah what you'll find with most of these people is like you know you're giving them a, like you got like i'm grateful you guys are giving me a platform to speak on right and giving me a chance to talk my shit and most most people, man, nobody cares about this shit. No, n- nobody outside of our world cares about it. And so most people are just stoked that they get an opportunity to tell their story. You know what I mean? That's sort of why I stopped doing my podcast was because I had had, I don't want to say I had everybody on, but I had a good amount of people on like that were top end people. And I just had a few people that I had on that, uh, you know, didn't share it after and we're kind of like too cool for school. And I was like, well, I gave you a platform to talk, tell your story. This is mutually beneficial. You were cool enough to come on, but you weren't cool enough to share it. Fuck you, dude. Like, fine. You know what I mean? Like, go fuck yourself. You're too cool. You're cooler than Ed Cohn. All right. Like, that's weird. You're cooler than Dave Hoff. That's okay. Fucking whatever. You're bigger than these people. Like, and so that's why I kind of stopped uh, doing it because I got sort of jaded to that um but when you get people to share your stuff and and come on and and give you guys an opportunity to basically have a uncensored phone call with someone that you know you might not have talked to otherwise that's a really good feeling you know what i mean and i remember that it's fucking how sick is it when you do like you send the one where you're like ah this might go to their request folder who fucking knows and then they respond it's like fucking yeah like let's go like it feels good you know it's i had many moments like that where it was like you know you you, like i remember the first time i had Corey gregory on it was before we were you know super friendly and uh when i asked him to come on i was like yeah you know if you wouldn't mind uh you you know and he's like of course i'd love to and i'm like no you know you get that moment of of like fuck yeah so yeah, I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. You do a great job with it. Thanks, man. Appreciate and that. Now I'm and now I'm done kissing your ass. <laughs> Is that why, appreciate that too. That's really why we brought him on today. For those that don't know, that's why we brought Anthony on. No. <laughs> to pump if you I get up. Any yeah, of that I got from you in Montana. We're gonna have a problem. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I got. The, I, I got. I got an email earlier. Hey, say nice things about us. Okay, I will. I'm just kidding. That was all genuine. Yeah. Yeah. I am now mm-hmm. curious, though, if in Montana, if I will get any nerves on the platform. People ask me, like, you don't get nervous going out there? I go, I think uh, compared to the local meets, I've squatted in front of more people at a Globo gym than at a fucking meet. So, like, no, I didn't yeah. really ever get nervous. And I don't know. I get really bad tunnel vision, too. I don't notice anything else that's going on. I get nervous um, for myself, not what other people will think. You know what I mean? Like, I... Yeah. 
you know, the nerves, I guess having nerves and being nervous are two different things. I think the nerves show you that you still give a shit about it. Um, but the tunnel vision shows that you know how to lock that down and be focused, right? Um, I said the the moment that I, I said this, you know, you're like talking to somebody and you say something and you kind of learn something about yourself that you didn't know because you're just talking. Uh, I Someone asked me if I was nervous for this meet coming up um before before i'd done it and uh, it's like just saying you know yeah it's different because it's not a world meet and it's a local meet so it's a little different but you know i still you know i get nervous that the moment that i and i said the 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 meat that i don't get nervous at all for is the meat that i learned that i it's time for me to step away from this because i don't care anymore um for me you know, obviously, once you step on a platform, I'm not nervous when I get under the bar. When I get under the bar, I'm like, I'm the baddest motherfucker in this room. Like, and you have to be that way, right? Um, but the night before, the day of, like, I'm nervous. I tell people that all the time. You know, and I've been doing this for a long time. I still get nervous. I still get scared. Big weights are scary. They're supposed to be scary. You know, it's like you don't drive a motorcycle because it's safe drive a motorcycle because it's wild right yes. and that's how i feel about that's how i feel about for me personally with lifting weights I, I think a lot of people probably don't share that same thing but i like that it's scary i like that the weights could hurt me that's the point because otherwise it wouldn't be extreme right like if i felt safe every time i got under the bar probably tells me that i'm not pushing to the level that that I want to, you know what I mean? I, I had a moment, um, I tweaked my knee really bad with an 11, 15 squat in training, um, tweaked like what we ended up kind of figuring out was like tweaked my MCL, which caused like my sartorius to kind of lock down in my quad. And then I hit it so hard with rehab stuff and with a Theragun that ended up doing like some nerve damage to my leg. I lost a full inch of circumference on my left leg in eight weeks. Um, and this was going into WPO 2019. We were about 10 weeks out. Um, 10 or 12 weeks out. And uh, so I, I got through that meet and it was a shit show. Like the videos are fucking insane. When I see like my right leg would have all of the brief bite, my left leg would have none because it got so small. Um Somehow I got through that meet. And then after that, with training and all this stuff, I, I kind of had these, it was like repeated nights when we would take big squats where I would shut it down one squat early. Like I'd take like 1050 and then I wouldn't take 11. Or I'd take 1080 and I wouldn't take 11. Or I'd take 11, but I wouldn't take the next jump. And I had this moment, I was like, you fucking pussy. Like, like you can sit here and lie to yourself and say, oh, I didn't take that because I don't need to yet. We're not close to a meet or I didn't take that because we are close to a meet and I need to recover and I can frame all this shit into whatever fucking way possible. But when it comes down to it, you're scared and you're being a fucking pussy. Fuck all that. So I made the decision to the next time I came into the gym to take a big weight, I told all my training partners what I was going to do. It's like, I'm going to go 975, 1075, 1125. 
975. I kept saying it because then they've heard it. So when I take the 1075, I don't have the option to say I'm good for today because people are already loading up the next one. They know what I'm doing because I had this realization where it's like, you didn't do this. You didn't start doing this because it was safe. You didn't start doing this because it wasn't scary. You did this because it was scary because it is scary. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be intense. It's supposed to make you second guess stuff. It's supposed to make you feel an oh shit feeling, right? You know that moment where you unrack a weight and you go, holy fucking shit. This is heavy. This is scary. This is whatever. Isn't that why we did this in the first place? Isn't that the point is to push to where, like, where that line is, to find where too much is, right? And I did it and I ended up, you know, squatting the weight and whatever. And ever since then, I got my confidence back big time. And I've had several moments in the gym where I've been like, I should just shut it down. And I'm like, nope, fuck it. Give me another one. You know what I mean? And made myself take weights that I was scared of. Um, because that's the point of it, right? Like, I don't know. Like, M Michael Jordan, you know, didn't play basketball for health. Like, he did it to be the baddest motherfucker he could be, you know? I had a... um. I've got tons of stories today. I don't know. I've been a bit of a blabbermouth, but uh, uh, motor mouthing. So I had a moment in training for, I think it was semifinals, um, where I took like, I think it took like 1,050 or something, 1,060. And I was supposed to take 1,110 and or 1,105 or whatever it was. And I just kept like kind of being like, oh, yeah, I'll go at this time or oh, hold on. I got to do, you know, and I kept kind of like I was procrastinating, procrastinating. And I really did not want to take the squat. I just had like a weird feeling. And I was like, I don't want to do this. And then I had the the this like moment where I was like, my guys are looking up to me to be the leader here. Right. And to show how to do this. If I don't take this squat. I don't get to be that guy. If I don't make myself, then I don't get to show the, I'm not like everyone else. And you don't have to be like everyone else either. And um, I made myself take it. I fucking smoked it. It was great. Talked to my guys after. Had a nice moment where I explained to them why I made myself do it and all this stuff. They got to learn something from it. And it forced me to be like, kind of beat my chest and, and, you know, make myself be the man in that moment. Um, and to me, that's what this shit kind of is all about is like finding your limits. Um, Cause I definitely didn't get into lift weights. I didn't get into lifting weights to get smaller and lift smaller weights. <laughs> like I got into lifting weights to get as big as I can and to lift as big as I can, no matter how scary it might be. Um, and I think that kind of goes back to what you had asked earlier about the confidence thing is the only way you get yourself to do that is if you are confident in your ability and if you're confident in the people around you to keep you as safe as possible. So that's my rant.
And you're making me feel like I'm broken because I don't get nervous on the fucking platform at all or at the meet. I'm just like, all right, it's time to fucking do this. Yo. Finally, let's get to it. Like I've been waiting forever for this. Let's go. So I'm hoping Stump that the national one that it's a big enough crowd that I at least get like adrenaline dump or something. Because ones we Stump have people here, are killers like that. You know, uh, I don't know if I'm are... that, but <laughs> some people are killers like that. My my wife, uh, you know, great fucking competitor, savage. Um, she doesn't really get nervous seemingly at meets like she's chilling it's fucking dick and fart jokes all day and we're goofing you know yeah um but and she doesn't really you know but in training on the contrast of that in training um she can be kind of a lunatic with herself you know what i mean i used to when we first met i used to say like before we were dating i used to say like Val could have a training session ruined by this was a long time ago. This isn't necessarily the case now, but you know, Val could get, have a training session ruined by, you know, getting the wrong coffee and then fucking up her order. But on meet day, the world could be on fire around her uh, uh, and we could be getting bombed and she would be just fine. Like the dog you know in the kitchen mean? that's on fire, that meme. Just sitting like, there and everything's yes, exactly, fucking burning. Exactly. Everything's fine. Yeah. I am in danger. And yeah. uh and so it's just everybody's different, man. You know what I mean? Like so for me, I get nervous and that tells me I still care. Some people don't get nervous and they care just as much as I do, but their personality is just different. You know what I think part of it is? All the training that I do is learn from the best people to do it. So it's like, well, I think they do it right, so I'll be okay. And like, I just don't yeah. even worry about it by the time I get there. Yes. And isn't that, uh, I think that's really interesting. Cause I, I've had moments like that too, where I've, when I was training with, with Hoff, um, people give me a hard time for referencing that a bunch, but I guarantee Fuck you if you train with Hoff for, yeah, if, I guarantee you if you train with Hoff for three or four years, you'd fucking talk about it a lot too. I would tell uh, everyone all the time, even if they didn't know who he was, I would explain to them who he was because it's the strongest motherfucker in the world, in my opinion. Like, that's just what it is. Yeah. Uh, like, I've literally been memed about that. And it's so funny because it's like, yeah, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I was able to train with that guy and I learned a shit ton about it. Um, fuck, I lost my train of thought. I had a good one. You were talking about training with him made it so that you were probably more confident or you weren't as worried. Oh, about no, this this is what it was. When I'd see him do something, I had these moments where I'm like, well, he's made of the same stuff that I'm made of. We're we're the same, like, we're the same species, I think. I mean, you know? I don't know if I would call I it the same species that, as you yeah. guys. I think you guys <laughs> might be a special fucking... You guys were like made in test tubes or something. I don't fucking know. But... <laughs> no, it's like, you know, you look at it. It's like, well, you're flesh and bone just like me, man. And like, if you can do it, why can't I fucking do it? You know what I mean? Like, right. why? Why not? Like, you know? Um, and it's it's funny because you, you like you get around those people and you have those moments. Like you said, like you get trained by people who really know what the fuck they're doing. You got nothing to worry about because they did it. So you can do it. And I look at I looked at Hoff. And all those fucking guys that I'm just like, well, fuck, man. Like, he can do it. I can do it. You know, like with Danny Tinangero, he blew his knee off, tore completely, complete rupture of his patellar tendon and came back. And I think it was less than two years later, he squatted a thousand pounds. I'm good friends with Danny. He's a human. I'm a human. If he can come back from that injury, I can come back from any injury. 
You know what I mean? Same thing like Seth Albersworth completely fucking blew his peck to shit. Fucked his peck up. And the other day, I think he benched 405. It's been less than a year. You know what I mean? And it's like, so, okay, if they can come back from that, you know, same thing. Like Jim Benson, for every ligament in his knee with, I think it was a 1,040, came back, squatted 1155 at 242, all-time world record. If those dudes can come back from that, I can come back from anything. You know what I mean? And a lot of it, a lot of the answers to that stuff and how you do it is just what the matter is between your fucking ears. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I totally understand what you mean when you say that you kind of don't get the nerves because you just trust the people who showed you how to do it that they showed you how to do it right and you're going to be fine i totally understand that i think i think val had a lot of that with with laura phelps where she just like trusted that she'd be fine because laura showed her how to do it so fuck it i'll be good how could you, you know? not from the strongest woman ever like yeah. they could teach me things and i'd fucking probably feel like superman you know, I think that I think that that era of sweatshop, um, when when Val was down there, I think it gets like overlooked um, sometimes because there has been some like really strong women that have come out of there since then. Um, but at that time, it was like across the fucking board. You go to a meet. And it would be that the last five women squatting were all from sweatshop. The last five women benching were all from sweatshop. The last five women deadlifting, all from sweatshop. And they were all from that same training group. I think social media hadn't quite, hadn't quite, I just sold a t-shirt. I don't know if you guys heard that. Cha-ching. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, but I, you know, at, uh, at that time, it was it was all just like bad motherfuckers in that training group. Social media hadn't quite become what it is now, where it's like so accessible. And I think it gets like overlooked. But it's like, dude, you walk in there in the morning when we were living in Cincinnati. It's like swing through in the morning, and you look, and it's like, well, there's Laura Phelps, Amy Weisberger, right? Okay, so there's two legends, and then training alongside of them, there's four or five women that are all capable of either world records or top 10 lifts. And it's like, what fucking planet am I on? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you've got women in there, you know, benching in the fours, pulling in the five, squatting in the seven, like, you know, every girl there squatted 600 at least. Every girl there benched mid high threes at least. And all of them were pulling mid fours and up. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, I think that that era of sweatshop, whenever I get a chance to talk about it, I always bring it up because it's just like these fucking women. It was insane. You know, and obviously it's been leveled up since then. But at the time, it was fucking, it was pretty crazy to watch. And I think people kind of missed or maybe didn't know to pay attention to it as closely. And they didn't see, like, what was going on there. There's some fucking crazy shit and you know how it is man in training situations sometimes you see shit that's crazier in training than you do at a meet 
Sure. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. see stuff that's that's wild. I mean, like, you know, Val did with a we thought it was a popped rib, but it come to find out we think it was a torn ab. Um, I had to I was in New Hampshire at the time. I get this fucking video of her squatting with two belts on because she felt something pop. So she's got a belt on <laughs> up here. She's walking around at, you know, probably 190 something pounds and female taking five plates and 200 and chain on an 85 pound camber bar and just briefs to a box for two. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, you know what I mean? Like I only know a handful of dudes that could do that now that are fucking 240 pounds. And so, <laughs> so I think sometimes it's crazy in strength sports. Cause like, if you're not there, sometimes you miss some of the shit that's like, absolutely fucking psychotic like if you want to see some some cool shit i don't know she'll get mad at me for saying this go on my wife's instagram and fucking just start scrolling just start looking at stuff because everything from stuff that happened last year to stuff that happened five years ago you'll see shit that'll be like she did fucking what <laughs> you know and and most of the women from that era you could do the exact same thing and just see shit that like guys that you train with can't do you know she's got we have a training partner who wears uh her bench shirt her old bench shirt and her old squat suit and until like the last six months her lifts in those in that gear were bigger than what he had done so he was like he would say like i've got to squat more in this suit than val squatted like you know like I have to bench more than she benched. <laughs> like right. this is a problem that I haven't. And it took him a while to do it. He just, just recently did it. Um, I think that shit's wicked cool. Obviously I'm biased because she's my wife. I think she's sick as fuck, but there's tons of women with very similar stories um, in our strength community that have just done psychotic shit that kind of just gets overlooked because uh, the boys end up just being a little louder and wilder looking. You know, you know, it's really interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can finish. I was just going to say, like, it's, you know, you want to see something that's wild. Go look at the WPOs and watch the women and then watch the men. Women will walk up to the bar, calm, step up, do whatever they're going to do. Maybe a small celebration and go. The guys all look like they're on fire the whole time. I, I, I used to say that. Uh, Val's lifting looked like uh, a neatly organized bookshelf and my lifting looked like a fireball and it that's basically true across the board for almost like all all female lifters and male lifters we're all like ah! you know like ah! and the chicks are like even the ones at the very high level are just like very calm cool collected execute and then get off the platform it's really cool to watch yeah, ever since I started helping the CU barbell team, I've got only girls that I coach one on one with. And you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. And it's my goal to make them all fucking stronger than every guy. Like that's yeah. the goal. Like, how do I get you guys stronger than all the dudes so that they just feel like shit? Like, yeah, I, I mean, think look, that's look the at, coolest thing ever. Yeah, look at Mike Burl's gym. Same, very similar. You know, I, I think that coaching women is way easier. Yeah, they listen coaching way better and they don't talk shit and they just do it. <laughs> Yeah, way fucking easier uh, and it's not even fucking close 
they're like way more empathetic, way more self-aware, way less of a ego on them. Uh, this dude, Mike Headley said it to me years ago. He said the difference between coaching men and women and people, people who listen to me on podcasts probably hear me say the same shit, you know, 50 fucking times. But um, the difference between the two is when a female athlete asks you a question as their coach, they want your answer. They're curious about what the answer is. When a male asks you a question, they are curious if your answer is the same as their answer. Yeah. And it's like, it's every fucking time. Like they come over to you and they say, what do you think my next jump should be? And in their head, they have an answer. They're seeing if it's the same as yours and they're ready to debate you on it. When a female lifter comes over and asks you what jump to take, they're literally saying, coach, what do you think the best answer is to this question? I want you to tell me because I hired you as a coach and I did that because I trust that you know more about this subject than I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or yeah, you have sure. a better perspective on it. Like, And it's just, we have a, a, a girl who's just getting into gear. Her first equipped meet is going to be uh, the amateur day for the Laura Phelps women's meet which I think is just so dope that she's putting herself in that position, like going out there, traveling for a first equipped meet, putting yourself, you know, in the lion's den, I think is so sick. And she looks at me and Val and everything we ask her to do, she does. No questions asked. She doesn't argue. She doesn't say, I think this, nothing. She tells us how she's feeling and whatever me and Val say to her, she listens and she does her very best to execute and because of that, she's going to be really fucking good. You know what I mean? Eventually, yeah. she is going to be very fucking good because of that. And, you know, when, when you get a – just because of, like, hormones and, you know, just the difference between male and female physically, when you get a dude that, that has that mentality, the sky's the fucking limit. Like – when you get a dude who is, I have a couple in my group that I live, I, I mean, I guess basically all the guys that train with us, if me or Val looked at them and said, okay, you want to squat a thousand pounds? What I need you to do is grab yourself by the back of the head and bounce your head off the wall 50 times a day. Those dudes would do it a hundred percent of the time. They'll do anything we fucking ask of them. And because of that, they're all seeing like crazy fucking gains. Um, but it's kind of a rarity with male athletes, I think. A little bit of an ego. And I'm I'm guilty of it, just like everybody else. Like Val was telling me my rack was too low and my feet were too wide for a very long time. I was at a meet. Hoff looks at me and goes, uh, bring that rack up and scoot your feet in a little bit. Okay, did it. Smoked. I was like, wow, that was easy. That was really good. What do you think of that? Look at Val. And she's like, Looks pretty good. <laughs> you know, like sounds fucking familiar. Um I, I don't know what it is, but men have a hard time taking coaching in that way. Uh so I I really try to work on that. I, honestly, I think that's why my bench has seen some pretty good um gains recently, is because I finally fully committed to listening to every single cue that Val was giving me 
and didn't come up with excuses as to why I couldn't. I just said yes and tried my hardest to commit to doing what she was seeing and what she thought. And because of that, my bench is, I don't know if you saw, I fucking blasted 600 at that meet. My best single play bench up to that point was 522. And I took 600 and fucking threw it it through the fucking ceiling. It was a total joke. Like I took 645 off a one board in training in a single ply shirt. My best single ply one board at the time was 530. The 115 pound fucking PR. And all the the difference, the literal difference was instead of saying when she said, I need you to stay up bigger in the bottom. I need you to drive through your heels and really think of like that extra half inch at the bottom, really being patient. Instead of me saying, I know, but I can't because I just said, yes, you're right. It's a pain in my ass, but you're right. And because of that, my bench has gotten much better. Circling back to the hey, Laura I, thing. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. Yep. No, no, go uh, right ahead. Go right ahead. Do you think she has one of the better training environments like Louie had at Westside? Like, do you think she carried a lot of that culture with her and is able to recreate a similar type of thing? So I can't speak of what's going on now because I haven't been there in years. Um, but I can say that uh <clears throat> I can say that when we were there, as far as women, unmatched. Haven't seen anything like it. Um, The attention to detail was psychotic. Like, eh, at Westside, if we were doing sets of 10 of something, and we got 10 reps, more weight went on the bar. At Sweatshop, if they got 10 reps, but the last two were not technically sound, weight came off the bar. Um, big difference in culture. I think both have their place. Um, so Val got very, very technical, very technical when she was there, right? And at the time she was there, before I moved down to Cincinnati for a little bit, um, or we moved down to Cincinnati for a little bit, and I was at Westside, she got very, very technical, and her lifts went up because of that. I got very, very strong because of the Westside stuff, because it was just bulldog craziness always, right? When I went down there, and we were both training at Sweatshop, I didn't have as big of a training group. It was just me and uh, Connor's uh, fiance at the time or uh, Laura's fiance Connor at the time. And uh, I would literally be in a monolift and it would be Val on the hooks, Katie Brent on one side, Laura on the other. And they're all just telling me like everything I'm fucking doing wrong. <laughs> literally. It's <laughs> just like stand over me. I, I started hashtagging team frustrated for a long time. Cause there's just everything I did was like, Nope, this, no, this, which I'm grateful for. Right. And so we, we had that. And then when we moved back to Columbus and started training at Westside again and with Dave and eventually at the doghouse, Val was thrown into an environment that I was very comfortable in. And she hadn't really experienced where it was just like, nah, put a fucking plate on. Like, shut up and do another rep. 
like it turned into that. And because she had the technical base from Laura's plus that sort of bulldog crazy mentality when we she came back to night crew group, her lifts took another jump. And mine took another jump because I had gone to the technical aspect. And then when I showed up there, I was getting the cueing from Dave, but also I was getting the culture of more weight, you pussy. And I saw a jump from it. So yeah, I think that um, because Laura at the time, she, now she's more active on social media. At the time she was a little more quiet. Um, I think it got kind of overlooked how good the culture was there for women. Um, but uh, at the time they hadn't really produced many, they had a couple of strong guys, but nothing like super crazy. I think the biggest squad on the board was like 10, 10, um, which obviously is strong. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like blow your, blow your mind. Um, and, and it kind of got overlooked, I think, but yeah, the culture that, that Laura had there was incredible from what I understand. It's very good. Still, she's got some fucking killers over there, you know, when it comes to females, um, just from what I see online, she's got a couple. And then the women that she coaches online, like Deanna, I mean, Deanna is fucking insane. She, she squatted, like, I forget what she did at that last meet, but she beat Laura's best coefficient that Laura ever had. Um, I coach her husband, Kyle, or her boyfriend, and that woman is then like, she'll be the one, like, she will talk about Deanna the way that we talk about Laura, if I had to guess, eventually. Like, she'll be the one. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she is, it's fucking insane. Like, regularly pulls five plates against minivans, like, yeah, at, at you know, at, like, a, a light 98. You know, like she is very fucking strong. So, yeah, I think Laura did a really good job with the culture over there. Uh, I think she's moved sort of gyms. They're at Tiger Fitness now, but I so I don't really know. Um, but I could definitely say that she basically took, she did what Dave did when when we left Westside and went to Doghouse, like took the good parts of Westside, left the bad parts. Or not the right. bad parts, just the parts that we didn't want. Sure. You know? Um, and when you could do that, and then that's what we've done out here you know, with, with our gym, um, to kind of circle, you know, bring it full circle. Cause I got to jump off. I got to go meet my mom, but, um, you know, we've tried to take what we've learned from Laura's gym, what we learned from West side, what I learned from Louie, what she learned from Laura, what I learned from Dave, you know, and taking these things and took everything that we liked about it. And those are the standard that we hold our guys to. And because of that, like our culture at our gym to me is unmatched. I'm biased, obviously, but uh, what we have going on with our guys in our gym and our group, even the people that aren't in my direct training group or just powerlifters at the gym, the culture bleeds into that too. And it's fucking awesome. You know, if, if, if you come in on a, Tuesday, Thursday night, which is like, we don't train on Tuesdays or Thursdays. We coach people on those nights. And that's when those powerlifters that are training, you basically have a very similar vibe to when we're training, just the weights are a little smaller and they're taking coaching from us instead of each other. Um, but yeah, like you could create any culture that you fucking want. You know, I know you guys have your gym out there and I know you putting on the APO meets and all that stuff, whatever culture you want, you can have because you can curate it 
It's just, you can curate your Instagram feed to be whatever you want. You can curate your culture in your gym the exact same way. Think uh, Gary V says it, hire fast, fire faster. Um, that's how I treat my group. And that's how I treat my gym. Everybody's welcome. And the moment that I feel like you're a rotten apple, you're out. And I'll throw, like Louis says it in the documentary, like I'll throw the fucking, the baby out off overboard if it'll save the ship. Um, and we've really, I think, I think we've done an awesome job creating a culture that I'm very fucking proud of um, within our gym and within our training group. And I think uh, people take note of that. You know, and 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 I have to give credit to uh, to Mike Burrell, um, because he had more. Ex I had never been the guy. I had never been like the guy in the group. You know, I was I wasn't allowed to be the guy at Westside, um, just based on you know social stuff. And then at in Night Crew, like obviously, like Dave is the guy. You know, who the fuck am I? You know. Uh, but Mike Burrell has really helped me with how to, you know, with how he dealt with like cultivating the culture that he wanted in his gym. Um, and we don't have the same culture, but he helped me with how to create what I wanted. So definitely have to give him credit with that too. I love Mike Burrell. I know you guys have had him on here. He's one of my best friends and he's probably the most principled person I've ever fucking met. I think we got to get you and Mike on at the same time. I think that'd be fun. Bro. Bro. <laughs> our, our, our text message threads are not suitable for public consumption. <laughs> That's how we feel. We, <laughs> when we go through his memes, we go through his stories and all the memes that he puts on his stories. I'm just like, man, this guy is in a different realm. Dude, he's the maniac. I love him. And, and we had a, we had a bit like years and years ago, we had like a falling out. This is the type of dude he was. We had a falling out. We didn't talk for like over a year. I, I didn't know him as well at the time. We had a falling out, big argument. And I was on a post uh, that another friend of mine had made. And then I see Mike's tag come up and he said something about me in the comments. He was like, oh, oh yeah, Anthony is a great guy. So I messaged my homie and I was like, you talk to Mike? Like, the fuck is he talking about? He's like, oh, are you not homies with him? And I'm like, I haven't talked to that dude in however long. And he was like, he's never said anything but good things about you. And I was like, fuck. All right. So then I had to call him and be like, let's squash this shit. And now he's like one of my best friends. Like, you know, we regularly have like pretty intense heart to hearts telling each other how much we fucking think of each other. <laughs> my wife will literally look at me and be like, hey, stop texting. Like, yo, like cut it out. Like, <laughs> when is the last, what did she say? She's like, one time, like I didn't hear what she said or I stopped paying attention or something. And she's just like, did you hear? I'm like, yeah, no, I heard. She's like, open up your phone and tell me the last text and the time that you sent to Mike. And I'll be able to tell you if you're paying attention. Or not. <laughs> but, uh, she got me. That's but yeah. So yeah, he's, I, I wanted to make sure that I gave him a shout out cause he's just such a good dude. So, um, but yeah, I gotta, I gotta hop off. I gotta go uh, meet my mom for, for lunch. Um, but I really appreciate you guys having me on. Do you mind if I plug a few things? Plug whatever you want, brother. I'm at it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, anyone who's not familiar with me, please uh, you know check out the Instagram. My personal is Anthony CW13, and then um, the trigger warning is uh, trigger underscore warning underscore conjugate. I have like 
tons of free information on there. Like <laughs> so many free workouts, um, so many free movement selection stuff. And uh, there's a link to my old podcast on there, all that stuff. I'm going to have a Patreon page that um, for like $3.50 a month, you can see everything that I do for training, everything that my group does for training. Um, we do Mental Monday Extended as a night crew vlog. Um, I do like little mini podcasts based on articles that I write. The articles are free. They're on my website, twcstayhated.com. Um, and yeah, and then the, the Anchor Athletics page, Anchor Athletics NH um, is the tag. My wife runs that page. People always message it and will be like, what's up, bro? Like, Ugh. they think they're talking to me, but it's my, it's my wife. Uh, that runs it so um if she doesn't hit you with the metal emoji it's not me it's it's her uh and uh so make sure you follow that stuff and then um i think that's basically all i have to plug yeah i guess when does this drop does this come out today or later this week yeah i'll have it out today for sure okay cool yeah so um we just did a t-shirt drop last night we're almost sold out there's some left over but then i just got uh the mail came in so i've got three new shirts dropping not this coming friday but the friday after that uh we'll have three three designs two of which are remakes in different colors one of them is a brand new design that we've never done before that's kind of outside of what we normally do and it is super fucking sick one of my favorite t-shirts we've ever put out so Make sure you keep your eyes out for that. Oh, yeah. And then I do a free email thing, too. So if you sign up for the free email, you get four weeks of free programming. Um, and then you also get early access to all of the apparel drops. You know when they drop before the general public does. And uh, you get an email with a direct link so you can get in there before they sell out. And you don't yell at me for not having your sizes. Awesome. So, but Great yeah, stuff. thank you so much for having me on, guys. I really, I really appreciate you having me on and giving me a platform to... Uh, to talk my shit and uh, promote my stuff and and sort of just talk about what powerlifting means to me and what it's done for me in my life. Yeah, we appreciate Kevin. it, man. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. And of I'll course. see you and in hey, Montana. Yes, I'll be there. And uh, Nate, when you sign up for uh, the meet, you let me know, buddy, because I owe you a discount. And uh, we'll show you around New England. I don't know if you've ever been out here, but. We'll no, I haven't. I, I want yeah. the best lobster roll you have in town. That's what I want. Lo lobster rolls, steak tips, fucking. Oh, I'm in. And yeah, I want to come on. A, I'm going to train on a Tuesday or Thursday so you can teach me how to not be such a pussy. So, whenever, dude. You guys are both welcome out here whenever. Awesome. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate cool. it, man. Great, guys. Thanks, we'll man. talk Appreciate soon. It. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, man.